I've been asking myself a lot of hard questions lately, like why I have been so conflict avoidant in my life and what is the difference between reconciliation and forgiveness and why we are so quick to judge and cancel someone for one wrong misstep. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to the author of Love is a Resistance, Ashley Abercrombie, and friend, you are going to absolutely love this episode. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week we'll share coaching conversations and stories of women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. Hello and welcome to The Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp. I'm your host. I am so excited. I literally just got done recording this episode this afternoon. And I had scheduled to release it in a couple of months. And I'll tell you what, friends, I am so excited about what we're talking about today that I have decided to literally get on the editing process so that I can get it into your hands as quick as possible because it is just that good of a conversation. We talk about everything from Free Britney to why Bill Cosby got out of jail early to the scandals at Hillsong and why we are living in an age of cancel culture. I am chatting today with Ashley Abercrombie, who is a second time guest here on the podcast. She is a phenomenal speaker, teacher, influencer. She does all of the things and I absolutely adore her. I think her message is one that this generation completely needs to hear. So get ready for honestly one of my very favorite conversations in a really, really long time. I'm so excited to welcome back Ashley Abercrombie. Ashley, a repeat guest on the Courage Cast, which I'm super stoked about. I love the fact that you're on here again. And honestly, one of my favorite conversations for the first time around. So I can't wait to the second one. So thanks for being on the show. Well, I'm so happy to be back. And I felt the same about my conversation with you. You know, when we're doing all these interviews, some some stand out and yours certainly did. So I'm super grateful to be back here. Oh, well, <laughs> thank you. And I was really excited to hear about your new book, Love is a Resistance. And I just finished reading it and I've got some questions that I want to talk about. But before we get to it, I don't know why this is on my mind, but can we talk yeah. about Britney Spears? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you just made my whole life. Okay. This will go down as my favorite interview again oh, because amazing. I'm ready. Okay. I'm so ready. I'm into it. Save Britney, <laughs> free Britney. Let's go. <laughs> it is so funny because I, you know, as I was reading and I was, you know, thinking about just different things and I don't know why it came up, but you talk about in your book, and we're going to get to some of this and I'll obviously ask you about the book in, in more specificity, but talk about cancel culture. And we're talking about, you know, um, you know, canceling people or silencing people or yeah. and, and that's something I do want to, to ask you about. But this whole free Britney thing, I have mm -hmm. kind of gone down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. of what is really going on and taking place. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to know what your thoughts are about it mm -hmm. oh my gosh well first of all i love talking about this obviously by my reaction yeah. you could you could see and hear that um but i think one of the wildest things in this whole experience is just like we've come so far for women 
And we still have so much further to go. Mm -hmm. Like the fact that, you know, she's unable to make her own decisions. This girl's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Like it, and she cannot make a single decision on her own about what she does with her life, who her relationships are, what contracts she says yes and no to. And I'm like, are we back in the 1800s? Like, how is this happening? And I remember my mom and I would had, um, have had so many dialogues about like when a woman gets married or she has the unfortunate um, divorce happen in her life, mm -hmm. you know, the, what it takes for a woman to be married all the documents that have to change, all the bank accounts that have to change. And she was sharing with me, you know, honey, like in the eighties, like I could not actually sign off on things without my husband's approval. She wanted to have a hysterectomy when she was done having children and the doctor wouldn't let her have it without signing, without my dad signing a document. That. Yeah. So that's like just literally in the eighties, like yeah. that's not even that long ago. And so this whole Brittany thing reminds me of just like policies and how they're structured. And we can never get away from the fact that policy breaks down to a person. And I feel like sometimes we forget that when we're creating, you know, when legislators are creating loopholes for people mm -hmm. to be able to do things when they are creating, you know, structures that they hope will be protecting people. But at the end of the day, sometimes can end up really hurting them. And that's true, whether it's my mom having to have someone sign off on the choice to stop having babies, or it's Brittany who can't like get out of her contracts and has to keep performing and can't have, you know, her own decisions about the type of birth control. If she even wants to use birth control, I just feel like it's, it's baffling. I mean, I'm literally baffled. You know, me too. And I, I watch Handmaid's Tale. Like that was like mm -hmm. honestly one of my favorite shows. <laughs> uh, yeah. We watch it like you know, at the edge of our seat. Oh, yeah. We love it so much. It's so creepy. It's, it's amazing. But I, love it. yeah. <laughs> but I think sometimes I'm like, okay, we're way too close to this mm -hmm. being real totally and to then hear about britney spears and you know basically that she has been a prisoner to her own life and not even right. experiencing her own life like just even right. i i was listening to the the leaked tapes from the court documents right and thinking to myself like I cannot believe this woman who is capable of making so much money going on tour yes. and she is so powerful in in that right, right. but has yet no power, mm -hmm. has no power. Yes. And, yes. Uh, you know, I, I just was like, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, how do these people have, you know, they, they literally have power over everything her what what she's get, gets paid an allowance, you know, yes. to, um, where she goes, who she talks to, what kind of phone she has, or if she has one or a yeah. vacation and she only earns it if she's, you know, does the right things and takes the right medications. Yeah. And it's so creepy. Yeah. It's super creepy. And, and then on the other side of it, we have, you know, finding out that exact same day that Bill Cosby was released on yes. a technicality, Yes. And again, mm -hmm. legal paperwork and documents that actually put him back out on the streets. Yes. I mean, what kind of world are we living in? What kind of world are we living in? I mean, seriously, that's the right question. It is very challenging, especially I think for women, you know, it is. And I, you know, as I, I wrote about this in my first book, but you know, I have um, a sexual assault in my background. It's something that I've had to work very hard to overcome and deal with and face and, you know, through all that process. And then of course the last almost 20 years of helping other people and specifically women mm -hmm. and seeing how often this happens and how little women report. And it's just like, it's a reminder again of why so many women don't 
don't speak up and why we feel like there's, there's just no point to even share, especially through the legal system, to even share that we've gone through these things because either someone's not going to be held accountable or the sentencing is just so terrible. Or if you have enough money, you can get anything you want out of the judicial system. And I think that that is really hard to deal with. And then I think about people like Brittany and, you know, I write about some of the themes in our world, especially here in America, but I know you're dealing with this in Canada too, mm -hmm. but kind of these clashes around race, um, you know, gender and class yep. and just thinking about that, right? Like Brittany has, you know, more money than any like female entertainer worldwide. And at the same time, she has, like you said, zero power. And so you think about things like privilege and what does that really mean? And of course we know like this, there's spectrums of privilege and what this looks like and, you know, having um, what the world deems as the standard skin color or the standard, you know, beauty standards can, can further your um, lot in life. But at the same time, I think people very often forget that it's in some of these relationships, some of these marriages, some of these families where it would seem like there's a lot of privilege because there is a certain level of economic class or success or academia, but they don't realize how much control can be in these relationships. Yes. And so it's so, it's so difficult. And I think with, with the book that I just wrote, I want to help us better understand nuance and better understand the context through which each of us are living. Mm -hmm. Because when we really understand, we can stop sort of painting this picture of what everybody is and sticking them in a box and ranking them in a certain order and assuming their life is incredible. Like who would have thought Brittany's life is what it is? You know, um, I think from social media, you could tell like something's not right. Um, but at the same time, I don't think any, anybody could know the depths. And I think that's true for most humans. Like you don't actually know what your neighbor is facing and you don't actually know what people are going through. No. And I think probably admittedly, you know, maybe a year ago when I would have popped on her Instagram, I would have been like, mm -hmm. okay, she is kookier than whatever. Totally. And yes. I'm like, Oh, Brittany. Yeah. And then, and then I might, you know, I, I just jumped to a conclusion immediately. Mm -hmm. And now I'm starting to see, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this woman, she couldn't even cry out for help because she lost her voice. Right. Right. She lost her will to fight. Yes. And and I have been seeing through this year my own conflict avoidance mm. and how for so many years, you know, you and I have had lots of conversations around faith mm -hmm. deconstruction and and the church and all that. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was really conflict avoidant because yeah. I just wanted to keep status quo. I wanted to yeah. be accepted. I wanted to belong. I wanted to, you know, make sure I was getting the approval of the people that I wanted to get approval from. And then yeah. in that I lose my voice. And I think so many right. people, they stop advocating for themselves and they lose their voice because they yes. don't want to be in conflict with someone else. Yeah. Gosh, you are really saying something. It is so true. And in a world that feels like it has a little bit of an imbalance or a lot of bit mm -hmm. of imbalance of power, it's so much easier for females, I think, especially to sort of just put that down. Yeah. And to say, you know what, it's just not worth it. In an environment where you feel like, you know, there's a dominant kind of culture or dominant attitude. And if you don't meet it, or if you constantly feel like you're bucking the system or constantly feel the need to advocate for yourself, it's exhausting. Like nobody wants to live this way. Yeah, no. <laughs> and I think people do, you know, you eventually sort of resign to that's just the way it is mm -hmm. instead of being an active participant in your life and in your choices. And, and even in there too. In relationships, 
right? Absolutely. From, yes. from the simplest things to the most complex, because, you know, we could be talking about, you know, just really on a, a day-to-day level with other people, you know, sharing our own opinions and saying, mm-hmm. you know, unreservedly, this is how I feel about that. And I don't, right. you know, I'm not going to change my opinion just because you have a different one, but mm-hmm. also feeling safe enough to be able to share that opinion and, in your book, you talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, we are so conflict avoidant and we, we don't want to rock the boat and we don't want to have all these hard. So let's talk about that. Let's have some, yeah. cause I am talking to like the ultimate truth teller here. So <laughs> I feel like I'm in, 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 a, in good company here. How do we, you know, start to use our voice and start to really tackle those things that are really difficult in conversations? Yeah. Well, I think we have to come to a place where we normalize conflict. So that's the first thing. It's kind of like the emotion anger, Mm -hmm. you know, nice girls don't get angry. Christians don't get angry. You know, we have all these sort of stigmas around difficult emotions and we do the same thing with difficult situations. And with conflict, we think to ourselves, if things were going well, or if I was doing this right, then there would be no conflict. And the truth is that in every relationship, there is conflict and tension. It is un avoidable. Conflict is a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. And that's because we're constantly running into each other. And that doesn't even have to be a bad thing. It's just a true thing. (laughs) So I think we have to start with the idea internalizing the idea that conflict is a normal experience in life. And I think the other thing to recognize is that, you know, we need to have better communication skills or any communication skills at all, because I think so many of us (laughs) have grown up, you know, with like bad or poor examples or no example, which sometimes can be worse because you don't have anything to pull from. You have nothing to draw from. So we either have maybe come up in families where we sweep everything under the rug or where one person is allowed to have an opinion and feelings, but nobody else is. And we internalize all this stuff, or we just avoid conflict like the plague in the house that we grew up in, or we had a very volatile experience and everybody in our family is very aggressive and loud and just fighting all the time. And that in and of itself is also avoidance. And we don't often think about it because we think like, oh, those people engage in conflict. They say what they think. They want to fight all the time. It's like, no, 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 they're avoiding. (laughs) They're actually avoiding true intimacy and connection, which is what healthy conflict will bring. Mm -hmm. Healthy conflict brings us to this place. It is a means of connection. And I think it's important for us to normalize it, see it as connection, and then learn skills, you know, basic skills, like not talking over one another when you're in a conflict, you know, not trying to offer solutions and fix things when you're in a conflict, mirroring back what somebody said is, here's what I think I heard you say. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Is there more that you might want to tell me? You know, using I statements. So instead of blaming and shaming other people, you, 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 we can say, when you did this, it made me feel like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, actually dialogue and talk things through so that there's um, a diffuse of kind of anger and an encouragement to come out and share the things that are hard and difficult. And obviously this takes two people. You know, I write about this in my book too. It's like, I have a whole section for people who are in relationships that are actually just too toxic Mm -hmm. and too unsafe. And you can't actually have these conversations. That's real. And I've been there at my work. I've been there in my home. Like I've been there many times where, you know, you have to actually do things differently or get 
get a third party help or just get out of the situation. And so I think it's important that we know we have those, but just basic connection, normalization of it and learning new skills. And that's the encouragement around conflict is that even if you have a crappy example, and even if you've never done it right or well, like you can grow. And I think that is such an encouragement that you can learn to have these hard conversations. Yeah, I and I totally agree. And I think even just by listening or taking that time to mm-hmm. listen to what the other person has to say is so informative of, well, what are they thinking and you right. know, why are they coming from that particular perspective? And so often we just jump to a conclusion and we feel attacked or we feel like, oh, I'm taking offense and, you know, or that person's offended by me and what I'm saying. And for a long time, like I, you know, along with being conflict avoidant, I was also the type of person like I didn't get angry. Right. Totally. I remember somebody say, what do you mean you don't get angry? And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. We get angry all the time. And I was like, I'm a one. I don't even know if I have anger. And right. and then I was like, but one's apparently like, that's our thing. Like they operate out. Yes. But I was like, it's so under the surface yes. that you don't even know it's there. But when yes. it comes up, mm-hmm. you better look out. out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There is some sort of righteous <laughs> fire that just like yeah. emerges. And it's like, and almost to the point where I was like, I was so afraid to get angry because I wasn't sure what I would do. I would become so unpredictable because I didn't know how to taper it, to handle it, to, to speak what I needed to say without just Mm -hmm. like going clear right off the edge. Totally. Uh, And I think that's where, where we found ourselves prior to the pandemic Mm-hmm. And then we had to learn all of these skills about mm-hmm. how to have conversations that were really, really tough around race mm-hmm. and about yeah. religion and about politics, yes. about masks and vaccines. Yes, totally. And lockdowns, yeah. all the things. And, you know, mm-hmm. it was it was interesting because there were so many times that I would like, you know, I would look at social media, which I, I'm so triggered by social media most of the time. But yeah. And um <laughs> You know, I, I would, as, as we all most, mostly are, but, uh, I would look at it and I'd say to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want to respond to that, you know, and say something so crazy. And I'm like, no, Andrea, yeah, you know, don't engage there. Like don't engage yeah. there. It's none of your business. Yeah. I want to know from your perspective, because you are somebody who does say the hard things. Yeah. There's so there's been a lot of really tough conversations over the past year. What have you found yourself having to dial into in yourself to really have those conversations? Mm-hmm. Well, I love that question. Well, a couple of things. I think I've really had to dial into mercy. <laughs> and, you know, I in studying to write this book, Love is the Resistance, like it didn't come easy. And initially I was planning on writing a book about um, you know, Jesus's last meal with his disciples and John 13 through 17. Mm-hmm. And I love that passage because it is God um, through Jesus explaining how he wants us to live and to move and to be in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and love is at the center of it. And it's a commandment, you know, he actually commands us to love. And even further than that, he commands us to love even our enemies. 
I, I think kind of like racism or white supremacy, and I know that somehow that's massively become a trigger word, which I will never understand mm -hmm. until the day that I die. But these are things that we often think about, you know, I'm not racist because racists are the, the KKK and the people who are using words they shouldn't use to describe other people. Like that's a racist. And we don't kind of stop for a second and ask ourselves the hard questions about what we really believe about others. And I think it can be true about gender. You can think, I don't have a bias against women. Are you kidding me? And then you look around your company and you're like, wait a minute, we don't have any women in leadership. Like every woman in our company of a hundred is an assistant or a secretary or some type of coordinator. And then you realize like, maybe we do have a bias against women because there is, it's not like women aren't qualified to be in some of these positions. So I feel like, you know, it's kind of like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, realizing like, uh, I have to have more thought about who my enemies are and the people that I'm demonizing and villainizing because of what they believe or even how they've treated me or how they think what their ideals are and they don't settle where, well with me and, and I would make an enemy out of them. And I think it's, I struggled for a long time to admit that to myself. But once I did, I felt like I could tap into the power of mercy and into that commandment to love and into that, that commandment to love even my enemy. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what God has been developing in me. And it takes a great deal of maturity, I think, to be self-aware enough and to be honest enough to say what you inherited you know, to say the yes. thing that came, came to you from your upbringing, mm -hmm. that came to you through the school system that you were a part of, that came to you through, you know, family members or an after school program or a coach, whatever it was who created these sort of narratives, a pastor, maybe a clergy leader that creates how we think. And then we have to, as adults, mature enough to go, actually, I so respect and love that person, but that isn't right. And the way they treated people became the way I treat people. And it's actually not okay. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, as believers, we have gotten away from the fact that, you know, like Ephesians 4 talks about not letting any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for the benefit of others. And I think, gosh, you know, Jesus reads Facebook comments too. Like <laughs> he is well aware of what you are writing on the internet and what you are saying when you think no one is listening. And I think that in and of itself, we need to just be more thoughtful and more kind. So it's, for me, it's, it's that piece of mercy mm -hmm. that have the mercy of God and extend the benefit of doubt to others and to recognize that even if I don't like them, the Lord loves them. And I need to at least leave space for that. Mm -hmm. And as before, it's like, I, you know, my enemies are God's enemies, right? Like who I don't like, God doesn't like. And, you know, Anne Lamott says something so brilliant. She says, you know, you can assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, wow, I got a journey to go on. Here. Yeah. And I think we all do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I know that over the past couple of weeks here in Canada, like one of the things that's really come up has been the unmarked graves that have been uncovered all across Canada yes. of Devastating. the indigenous children. And, yeah. you know, it was easy to sit on the north of the border and watch what yeah. everything was that was unfolding in the U.S. and go, yeah. oh, my gosh, there's like it's crazy down there totally. and you know like have all sorts of judgment about well at least we're not like that yeah and and yet in the same breath you know realize our history and what you've said we've inherited yes and having those tough conversations later on it was you know it was one thing to have conversations about the black lives matter movement that was in a different country totally you know, with, you know, the generation that 
uh, you know, surrounds me. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a completely different conversation to have something that directly affected my parents' generation here right. in Canada because their outlook and perspective on that is the very thing I judged about Southern yeah. Americans mm. and how they viewed, you know, their African American brothers and sisters. Yeah. And here I am like, Oh, like this really is close to home, you know, yeah. and recognize and realizing that in my own lineage, you know, I've, there's a long, we've got a long way to go. Mm-hmm to unpack some of this stuff, to have these, you know, uh, conversations and, and recognize, you know, that, that, you know, this being brought to light, you know, is part of, of, you know, really reconciling. You talk about your, in the book, you talk about the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. So I Mm -hmm. love to know your take on that. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And it has been just an awakening globally mm-hmm. for people, you know, and it's, again, you, you said it so beautifully and thank you for that. Cause it is so easy to sit in a, in a seat of judgment and assume that you don't have any of the problems. We're and I think that's you know, right. So and nice. honestly, we, right. And we honestly thought that about y'all too. I know we're jerks. We know better. <laughs> we know better. We're like, no, everybody's, you know, going through something, been through something, yeah. doing something they shouldn't have been doing. And I think it's really powerful for all of us to be going through this together. Yeah. But forgiveness and reconciliation. So I think that, you know, they're, they're beautiful things, both in and of themselves, you know, because forgiveness makes us whole because forgiveness sets us free. Mm-hmm. And so when we make the decision to forgive, even when there's no participation from the other person, even when we never hear a sorry, even when we never can experience what it would look like to have closure or um, reconnection, you know, forgiveness is a thing that sets us free. And I know this to be true from the personal work that I've had to do for all the many things that I have gone through, the things that I have done, how desperately I personally have needed forgiveness. And so I know that it's powerful. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, reconciliation is something different. You know, reconciliation takes two people. It's mutual. It is reconciliation happens when both sides make the decision to journey forward together. It cannot just be that one person is doing all of the work and the other person never makes changes. I love what my dear friend Harmony Grillo says. She says, you know, there can be no reconciliation without recovery, because if you're not going to change, how can you ever reconcile? Mm -hmm. If somebody continues to say they are sorry and they never change their behavior, it is not possible to reconcile because that person is uninterested in being close in relationship and they are uninterested in taking a step forward. And so even if they say different words with their mouth, they're actually are communicating that reconciliation is not possible. Yeah. And so I think it's important for us to realize that, you know, forgiveness is one thing, but trust is earned. You don't mm-hmm. give that away freely, right? You have to earn trust and people need to earn trust, especially after there's been a betrayal or a breach in confidence or a breach in relationship. There needs to be repair if we're going to have reconciliation. And sometimes this is small stuff. I mean, And people who are married know this. If you're in a great friendship, you know this. Mm -hmm. People who are on your, you know, in a workplace that you love and you have relationships there that you love, like, you know, there are daily things that get on your nerves, irritate you, drive you crazy, wish they hadn't done that, wish you hadn't done that. And we make those little repairs. Mm -hmm. But for the big ones, you really also have to think about what does reconciliation look like here? And is it possible? And that's a lie in a lot of Christian circles, I feel is that we're taught that we have to like everybody and we're taught that we need to be reconciled, uh, 
you know, to, to everyone for the forgiveness process to be complete. And I completely disagree with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think you can, you can bless and let go and you shouldn't use, you know, people's behavior as a reason to hold on to things they shouldn't hold on to. But at the same time, sometimes people don't change. Yeah. If they don't, what can you do? Mm-hmm. But move on. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to go a little deeper. You always get me talking about the hot topics. This is what I love about you. Um, <laughs> and it's like stuff that I don't talk about, like on the podcast, mm. really, because I'm like, I always stay clear of anything like I'm a conflict avoidant. <laughs> <laughs> As I mentioned. Um, So anyways, about that, um, Carl Lentz, can we just talk about, so here's the thing about that. Um, I feel like I need to, people are going to be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Andrea. Um, Some people, and then others are going to know exactly. I loved and adored Hillsong Church for many, 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 many years. Loved it. Put it on a pedestal, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Thought they could do no wrong. And over this past year, I, I've also been hurt in the mega church. Okay. Sure. So, which we've had conversation about, but having said all of that, I still had this like love for it because I was like, it was the place that when I went to Australia and, you know, I Mm. had beautiful moments and there's, you know, obviously people and, you know, people are amazing and, you know, the makeup for so many things. But yes, at the end of the at the end of the day, I've been seeing some things that have happened within some of these really prevalent mega churches that have been really like just heartbreaking. Yes, they are. And there's so much going on with this whole cancel culture thing. Mm-hmm. And it's and I remember when it first broke the story about Carl Lentz, how he had had an affair on his wife. And then he was removed from his position. Like, I mean, I remember being a pastor and hearing about moral failures and, you know, the different things that happened. And I mean, it's, this was nothing new to me to hear of this being the way it's done. But immediately, like, I was like, okay, he stepped out on her and he, he shouldn't have done that. And I was like, I wanted to blame so many people. Sure. I wanted to blame him. I wanted to blame this other woman. I wanted to blame Hillsong for not putting in better measures of, you know, making sure that he, you know, was cared for. And I wanted to blame, like, I mean, I wanted to blame everybody. And, and at the end of the day, like, I just, I was so like heartbroken around it. And I had friends are like, what do you like, Andrea? It was just like, he, he had the affair. Like he, it was him. I was like, I'm like, yeah, but was it like, was it just him? Like, or who's at fault here? Like who's Mm. really at fault? fault here Mm. um because would he have done that if he had been taken care of or protected or you know more cared for as a pastor in the church or did he abuse his power as someone in authority so like i have these two things at play right Mm -hmm. and it is so easy to jump on something and cancel somebody because of your own bias Mm-hmm. And because of your own experience and go, yep, don't like that. I'm canceling you. Yeah. I want to. So that's a big like verbal blah. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm sorry, Hillsong. Um, <laughs> for, <laughs> I still kind of love you, but not totally. really. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, let's just be honest. We're, we're, we're having relationship issues. Um, 
<laughs> but at the end of the day, like, you know, it was easy for people to jump on Jen Hatmaker and cancel her. Completely. And yeah. it, it's, you know, uh, easy to jump on people who there's an obvious thing to, you know, but then who's canceling Jerry Falwell and who's canceling, um, right. you know, when they're going to, oh, we're going to cancel Beth Moore. No, it, you know, do you, okay. Do you see what I'm saying here where I'm going? Yeah. It's like so like. Where does it stop? Yeah, where does it stop and where does it start? <laughs> right. Yeah. I want to, yeah. So I, I love this whole topic. And, you know, it was really hard um, when everything happened with Carl. I mean, that was crushing for so many people, especially because of his good work around the issues of race and justice. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he was well respected and well, well loved by so many people for that work. And, you know, to your point, there's so many amazing people within these institutions. You know, my dearest friends pastor here in LA for Hillsong LA and they're beautiful souls and they love Jesus. And, you know, it's just like, I think that to your point, we can make one situation and one person, the sum total of the whole thing. Yeah. And it is important to ask some of those profound questions that you're asking, like, is this the system that created it? Is it this person's choices? Probably it's both, I think, because, you know, we're not designed to sustain a level of responsibility and glory that belongs to God. We just, we cannot do it. Yeah. And then if you also do not mind your own soul, you know, if you are not responsible to think that you could fall, my husband and I say all the time, we are one decision away from stupid. And we say it about everything. You know, we say it about our marriage. We, yeah. It would be dumb of us to think that we couldn't have an affair. We don't believe we'll have, we'll ever have one. We don't live in fear that we'll have one, but we would be stupid to say that it could never happen to us. Yeah. And so I think that's what happens at a certain level, whether it's in business or it's in the church or it's in, you know, wherever all the sectors of society, when you get to a certain level, there is of success and money and mm -hmm. power. There is this idea that you're untouchable. And I think it is so tempting. And that is a sweet thing to, to chew on. And if you chew on it too long, you you definitely feel and find out that you are very touchable. Yeah. And so I think that we've seen that across all these multiple sectors in the last couple of years, this kind of um, crushing and revealing of what's really going on under the surface. So cancel culture is not a new practice for the church. And I make the case in my book that Christians started the practice. You know, we look back at Martin Luther King Jr. And every Christian I know loves to post, you know, um, on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, they like to post a, on the Instagram, a little quote that he said. Yeah. And, but back then every Christian was calling him a communist and the same stuff we see today, you know, mm -hmm. they're calling him a socialist and a communist. And, you know, they had the FBI like out, out for blood for this guy. They had like watches on him. And I mean, it's crazy. And then Ruby Bridges, you know, you think about her, you think about Dolores Huerta here in the States, her and her brother, Cesar Chavez, and you know, what they were doing to make sure that, you know, agricultural workers would have fair pay and equal rights and time off. And they did all this incredible work. And across the U S in many States, there was a, you know, a, a thing to cancel Dolores from, you know, school books. They wanted to tell the story of how agriculture cultural workers here in America began to have rights and people wanted her taken out of the books because they did not agree with some of the things that she was saying. And then you have who you've already mentioned, Jen Hatmaker, then Lecrae, he comes out and begins to talk about police brutality. And he talks about, you know, what's happening here in America and race in America and all the evangelical machine that he had propped up mm -hmm. turned on him. Yeah. And, you know, say you can't cancel Beth Moore because Beth Moore built everything. Like if they cancel her, then they don't have any more money, you know? So it's like, they can't, they literally try it and it can't happen. Yeah. But I think, you know, to your 
your point, it's like, what the heck? And then we have these cases where it's completely unfair, like a Jerry Falwell. He didn't, like, yes, fine. He's never going to work at Liberty again. He left with millions of dollars paid out in like a two-year period. That kid, you know, that kid on CNN, I read yes, that in your book. I was yes, like, you yes. got a, a, half crazy. a billion? Half, half a billion dollars. So for those who don't know, there was a kid here named Nicholas Sandman, and you may have seen it on the news. There was a, a young kid. It was a bunch of um, Catholic young men yeah. and women who were at a pro-life rally in Washington, D.C. And across from them was another group doing a rally. And then there was a Native American who came through beating his drum. And it looked like the kid was making fun of the Native American or that he was very angry with him. And the truth was the Native American was marching between the two groups that were fighting to bring peace. And because of the way he was portrayed on the TV, you know, his parents and him made the decision to sue Washington Post. And I believe it was CNN, but they each and received a payout of $250 million from each place. So like, did he get canceled? Because if he is getting canceled and receiving half a billion dollars, can I get some of that? Like, what, what do I need to do on the internet to make sure that my family's set up for like the next seven generations? <laughs> I think like, it's ridiculous. And sometimes it just goes way too far. And on top of that, you know, we have the very real experience of getting canceled. And I talk about this. You don't see women's conferences leading with cancel culture like we see with men's. You don't see series, female pastors making series about cancel culture or, you know, letting that lead all their podcast series. Because the truth is, like, women know what this feels like. We know what it feels like oh, to yeah. be the voice of dissent and never be invited back to the meeting. We know what it feels like to suffer relationship losses and to suffer mm -hmm. promotions and opportunities because of what we say because we speak up against someone who has more power than we do or doesn't want the rest of the organization to know what's going on. Yeah. So we know firsthand what this feels like. Yes. And so I just think, man, we just got to stop it. It's gotten ridiculous, like completely out of hand. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not the biggest fan, but I think sometimes it is necessary. Mm -hmm. I mean, look what happened with Harvey Weinstein, R. Kelly, like I'm Megan Kelly. I want these people out of their roles. You know, you can't act crazy and have no consequences. So don't confuse accountability with cancel culture. <laughs> and that's, I think that's the key. Right. And, and like you said about like, you know, even going back to this whole reconciliation and forgiveness, it's mm -hmm. like, okay, well, where are you in this like remorse? Do you have any remorse? Mm -hmm. Are you making mm -hmm. restitution for what you have done? Yes. Are you Correct. admitting to the fact that, you know, and there, I have a lot of grace for people who come out and honestly say, I made a mistake. Yes. And, yes. and this is what I've done. And I right. remember when I left the church and I was really like hot under the collar about what had been done to me. Yeah. But I was really also at that time uh, really understanding that there was probably a lot that I perpetuated myself. Mm. And I've said this in many different podcast episodes, yeah. but really in the fact that I I had to own up to like, you know what, there's probably a lot of people I hurt. Right. In all of that, in totally. in the years of ministry or in the years because of, you know, my own desire for whatever I wanted at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and now I'm like, well, I don't know that I can do anything particular about that, but I do have a sense of remorse about it mm -hmm. and an understanding that I don't want to repeat it. And mm -hmm. if someone ever, you know, took me to task and said, hey, Andrea, this is what you've done to right. me and I would hopefully I would hopefully say to them you know what I would need to say 
um, to, to make restitution for that wrong. Um, but you know what, like when you're living in it and you're, you're, you know, it's, it's another whole thing because you have to really kind of pull yourself out of it. And it's a, it's a big, it's a big book you took, you took on girl. Better you than me. I was like, how about that? Like, right. I, I was like, you go on all those podcasts and talk about this stuff. Yes. Because... <laughs> it's They are hard ones, but I think it, you know, I just, I want us, I do not want us to go with the times and stop thinking critically yeah. and stop examining the Bible and what it really says and stop, you know, one-siding everything and assuming God doesn't care about this or that we can just, that God doesn't love our enemies, that we can just, you know, cut people off of the body that we don't like them or we don't agree with them or their ideals are different than ours. Or like, I want us to be people of love and people who have a faithful witness unto Jesus and people who can make amends and who can say they're sorry and who can have hard conversations, who are not afraid all the time. And I think that that's so much of what's happening is like, we are so full of fear and easily swayed by conspiracy theories. We are easily swayed by, you know, choosing an echo chamber. We are easily swayed by a polarizing narrative and we have no backbone to stand and say, you know what? I will choose to love here and I will choose to forgive here and I will choose to walk away if you don't change here. Like, I think that we just have got to stop, you know, pushing along with this world and stop for a second and say, all this hurry is taking us somewhere we don't want to go. And I think believers have got to halt and just slow down for a second and really think about what they're thinking about. Think about why they do it. Think about why they post what they post on the internet, you know, actually find out where those posts come from. Like, and then think about how we treat each other because it really matters to God. And we're going to get to the end of our life. And all of those connections that are causing conflict now are the very, you know, very connections that are going to matter at the end of our life. It's like, God is going to care what I did with my enemy. Mm -hmm. God is going to care what I did with my neighbor. And God is not going to be proud of me for winning a fight on Facebook at the expense of somebody's heart and soul and mind. And at the expense of somebody coming to see his love, you think God's going to be proud of that? Mm -hmm. He's not, you know? So like, we really need to wake up and get it together, guys. We really do. (laughs) And we really need to, you know, and I I say all this to say this, we need to free Brittany, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? Circle back. Yeah. I was like, we need to love and and I love you because I am just I'm I'm sick and tired of all this nonsense I was like let's get right what we need to get right you know yeah come on I agree you know I just really like I I started to think about I was like I am not gonna stand by and let this pop star yes not get what she wants agreed this it's is a, a little bit of freedom she just yes. wants to take a ride with her boyfriend in his car like i mean yes i'm sure there's it's other not things that, difficult. that she wants yes. to do but you yes. know um and it's all important <laughs> it, <laughs> and i'm laughing but it is actually i do feel it is and because i think that she stands for you know and just i don't know i'm gonna go here again i'm gonna go boom, deep down but there are so many women who have they don't have the 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 name, the fame, the money, the accolades yeah. that she has, and they have no voice yeah. and no power. Correct. And they legitimately have no one advocating on their behalf. Right. And they do not know how to advocate on their own behalf. Right. And then we have this young woman, not much younger than myself, I must say. Right. And, you know, she has been 
so pushed down that she cannot advocate on her own behalf right now. Mm -hmm. And I think Mm -hmm. that is where it is so important for anyone who has a voice to use their voice because that is going to, that's what it's going to take for us to truly love each other and to, you know, uh, undo some wrongs and that are happening within our world. It's like, if you believe in something that you feel is so important, Mm -hmm. then you have to say it and you have, and I mean, say it in love, say it angry if you need to, but say it. And, 100%. and I think that's, you know, where, you know, we get to exercise, you know, our very God given purpose to, to truly be who we were created to be. Yes. And, I love that. Yeah. It's so beautiful. And it's about making my problems, your problems and your problems, my problems. It's like, it. we don't take on the weight. That doesn't mean we take on the weight of the world and we start to carry it and get pulled down by it. But it does mean like, Hey, if this is hurting you, it's hurting me yes. because we're a body, you know, yes. like, what do I, I don't get to say to the eye, you can't live here. I should pluck you out. And I don't get to say to the hand, I don't need you. You know, that's what the scripture says. It's yeah. like, we're all a body. And it also says in that passage that the parts that we believe deserve the least amount of honor. And if we're honest, we all think that about people. There are certain people we believe don't deserve the most, like any honor. Mm -hmm. And it says that they are the ones that deserve the most honor. And Mm -hmm. so how do we journey together to figure out how do I make this thing that hurts you a thing that hurts me? And how do I make strong decisions and choices to care about things that are, that are impacting all of us Mm -hmm. and not just be off in a little corner, living my own happy little life. Yeah. Cause it matters what we do over here. It matters. It really does. Because unless a person's a sociopath and, and honestly can't, you know, figure that out, then something's happened to them that got them there in the first place. Very true. And then, and you know, going this way. Yeah. And so it's like, it really, we really need to have some exorcism, grace and mercy in understanding like, yeah, what you did is wrong. And I don't agree with that. However, yeah, uh, I, I can still love you. Yes. In, in, and I don't love what you did, but I, yeah. I can still show you some grace and mercy. And that's a really, really tough, tough thing to learn it to is. do. And, but you've, you have just really written a beautiful book and I'm so grateful for your voice. Like there's so many people I do not want to listen to anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I like that. you. <laughs> I like you. you. I like listening to you. I like (laughs) following you on the Instagram and all the things. And so if you guys are not following Ashley Abercrombie, you need to, because she just speaks truth. Some, so go get her first book and then get her second book. Ashley, I love you. I love you. I'm so grateful that our paths connected a couple years ago. Um, when's your book coming out and how do people connect with you? Yeah, so it's coming out August 31st. So pre-order a copy or get a copy. And I'm so excited. I believe this book will really help you and it will really bless you and help you learn to do the things that you're scared to do. And um, I'm also on Instagram a lot, as you already said. Yep. That's my that's my spot where I hang out the most. Mm-hmm. And then on my website, ashabercrombie.org, if you guys wanna go check out version Bible plans or different things like that that are available on the website, please feel free to do so. And seriously, sister, it's been a pleasure 
I think you are remarkable. Oh, and we are so blessed <laughs> to have you in this world thank and to you. be able to receive from you because what you have to give is so good. And I love the questions you ask. Also, you're very funny. So <laughs> well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. I will, I will receive that. And, um, and just thank you so much for, for being here. It's my pleasure. <laughs> well, friend, I don't know about you, but I am like literally on the free Britney bandwagon. I cannot get it out of my mind. Just even the thought that a woman in this generation has with as much stature and perceived power as she does, just does not have any autonomy right now. And so many other people are like her. So many women, so many kids. They're, and I mean, even men. I mean, I'm not going to exclude them from this because so many people are oppressed and don't have a voice. And if we have a voice, we need to speak up for those people. So I am just so thrilled to have had this time, this conversation with Ashley. It's literally like one of the best parts of my job to just sit and have conversations with really cool people about great, interesting topics. So if you found value in this episode, I'd love to hear about what your takeaway is. So make sure that you screenshot this and tag her and myself so that we know that you were listening. And I'd love to reshare it and to thank you for listening to the Courage Cast. Friend, I love doing this journey with you. It's, you know, it's one of my very favorite things. If this is your first time ever listening to the Courage Cast, thank you for hanging out with me. And you can find all of my information as well as Ashley's in the show notes after the show. Until next time, remember, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a rating and review, and while you're there, hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Original music and production by Stephen Krillich.